0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning. Um, you know, it's an honor, isn't it, that, um, for me at least, my how I feel is it's an honor to uh, help with Samaritan's Purse or to support Samaritan's Purse, to get to um, use just a little bit, regardless of how abundant you feel this morning that your life is. Um, there's no comparison to the abundance that we have with those children and people in other places. And, uh, and so I always feel like this is a privilege we have. This isn't a requirement. It's not um, an obligation. Uh, it's not a guilt trip, but it's a privilege to serve uh, people who have so little and to be able to you know, add to their life. Give them a Christmas, my goodness. How awesome is that? Um, also, let me thank you guys, the, those of you who were able to participate in the North Cares project yesterday. Some of you are newer, and uh, maybe you don't know the story, but uh, some years ago, uh, we invited a few other churches to come here and meet with us, and, uh, and we invited somebody from the city, city send a representative, how can we serve the city of Scottsdale? It kind of felt like an oxymoron a little bit, right? How do you we serve the city of Scottsdale? But, because um, Scottsdale feels pretty unneedy. That's a, actually a word, I'm not sure. But uh, we had them come, and this young woman came and met with us, and she started telling us about her job. And her job was uh, to, to uh, manage an ordinance in the city of Scottsdale that, if your front yard uh, didn't meet their standard, uh, or if the paint on your house didn't meet their standard. Um, it was her job to come and post a warning uh, on your door uh, So she'd put the sticker on people's doors and uh, and then if you didn't get it up to speed um, After that there was a period of time that they would give you uh, Then she would come back and they would fine people and she's telling us that that, um, that often it was, you know, in South Scottsdale was elderly people on a fixed income, and so if you got warned, then you had a month to decide, uh, do I not buy my medicine this month? You know, do I not buy food? And she just starts crying. She's sitting in our uh, little office and she just bursts into tears saying, and I'm the one that finds them, and, and she's telling us this story. So I, I said to her, how about this? You don't have to find any of those people anymore you just give us their addresses and we got it. And we'll take care of them. And then as we started doing this, uh, they added you know, some families that maybe had a child with disability or one of the you know, uh, spouse with a disability and they just got behind, they got tired, they ran out of money, whatever it was. And, and so we added them to that list too. And so now for a number of years, we've had this privilege uh, of serving people and uh, just in the city of Scottsdale, um, who for whatever reason, it's not their fault, they just can't keep up. And rather than being fined and having to make a tough decision about, you know, what, what, we, you know do we buy groceries or do we pay somebody to come and fix up our yard, uh, we have the privilege of doing that. And so that's really the story behind North Cares. And, and so uh, when we talk about it, it's really just a, a, an opportunity to say God has blessed us, and we can do something to serve these people who need our help, and, and we don't go with um, uh, you know uh, you know flyers about North Bible or or you know tracts or something. We simply go as as people who love Jesus, and uh, and we offer that service to them. Now, what's really fun is that if you see the trailer now um, that the city of Scottsdale brings with all the tools, you'll see North's logo on the side of the trailer, which is, and then they've added a couple other churches, which is kind of unprecedented for Scottsdale to you know, advertise a church, but, um, but they're so grateful for this service and, and what's happened that God has just used it in ways that we couldn't uh, imagine. And uh, so we're really grateful for that. The, the last, you know, um, thing that I was thinking about in this regard is, is a week before last, um, we, we've also been for, I don't know, seven or years or something like that maybe, uh, doing, going to Guatemala and digging wells uh, for villages that have never had fresh water. So can you imagine your existence is that somebody in your family, maybe the oldest child, maybe it's the mom, maybe it's the dad, but somebody has to walk uh, sometimes as far as five miles with whatever plastic containers they have to get water for their family for that day. So your existence is every day you're dependent on somebody walking someplace to find water so that your family can have some kind of fresh you know, not great water, but some kind of water every day. And so um, Living Water International is one of the organizations that digs wells around the world. And Troy and Heather and uh, Hawks have been, they kind of brought this to us and their, it was their vision and, and helped us learn about it. Um, and so we've been digging wells as a church. We've got another group going in January to dig a well. We've been doing this now for a number of years. And, and the week before last, uh, Living Water International honored Troy and Heather. Uh, for their contribution, for the impact that they've made, and and we've gotten to be part of that uh, through North, uh, serving people again who desperately need help. And, uh, And God has said, this is something you guys can do. And I can tell you that it doesn't require great school because I went and did it, and I'm the least handy guy I know. So uh, anybody can do it, but it's an opportunity to serve and it's an opportunity, if you're willing to work and you're willing to get a little dirty, uh, it's an opportunity that you have to serve people in the name of Jesus. So I I love doing that. Um, Now, uh, you know, to something that really matters to me. uh, So if I haven't met you, I'm Larry Anderson. And um, I have a beef. Uh, I don't, I, I wanna know why. When, we're, when we wanna make a, a, a silly character, uh, I, don't, I wanna know why his first name has to be Larry. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Okay, I've got an example for you up here. Uh, Larry the cable guy, all right? Come on, you know, Jack the cable, I don't know. All right, here's another one. This is one of my the current, uh, Larry Culpepper, the Dr. Pepper guy, you know, he claims that he invented the college playoffs and he's super that's not his real name okay they just wanted a goofy name and they gave him larry come on what's up with that all right now here's the last one and this is sort of the ultimate you know and some of you know this because your kids have come up to me and you said hi to pastor larry oh larry the cucumber and i of course i have to "Ah, you know i have to pretend that's okay you know whatever <laughs> that, so why Larry? You know why pick on me? When I was in high school, m- my parents is a good Oklahoma stock. You know that this Larry Glenn Anderson, and I tried to slip in Lawrence Glenwood Anderson III for my walk across the stage to get my diploma, but they busted me. I didn't get. They didn't do it. That was just kind of Larry Anderson. We got it, and I kept my head down. But I, I was thinking about that, you know, because we we worry a lot about things like that sometimes. And we worry a lot about ourselves. And we're really good, it's one of the things that we're all really good at is we're really good at thinking about ourselves. We think about ourselves a lot. And, and because of that, most of us uh, think that we really know ourselves well, that, that we know ourselves, that we know what we're good at, we know what we're bad at, We know we, we kind of know ourselves well. But what, what if we really don't? What if we don't know ourselves as, as well as we really think we do? What if we've gotten other messages, we've had other stories, we've had other experiences that kind of warp that idea of who we really are and we've bought into those things? What if we think we know ourselves really well, but, but we really don't? Can you hear that? Because I can, Yeah. thank you. Um, or we've forgotten who we really are. We started this series called "The Cure for the Common Life." I really like that. We borrowed it from a book by Max Okada, the, "The Cure for a Common," "The Cure for the Common Life," uh, because n- none of us want to settle. For the common life we we want an extraordinary life now maybe you want a secure life maybe you want a safe life maybe you want something like that but but really at the end of the day we want to look back on our life and feel like it was well lived feel like that we made a contribution to the world feel like that that it's it really did matter that we want to live our lives that way but something happens and and Troy started the series by with this idea of never settle he talked about in Revel in revelations where uh, where the Apostle John um, spoke the words of Jesus, he had a dream, and Jesus spoke to him, and one of the things he said is that he, he looked at the church, and he said that you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm, and, and you know, he said, he said here's, what I, here's what I think about lukewarm, I want to throw you up, I want to spit you out, that I would rather you be cold, or I'd rather you be hot, but the idea that you're lukewarm's nauseating to me, that's not what I want for you, and, and that's pretty powerful language, isn't it? It's a pretty powerful idea that that's how he feels about being in neutral. That's how he feels about being lukewarm. That that what he's saying is if you're cold, uh, that, then you b- behave the way I expect you to. If you're hot, then you behave the way I want you to. But if you're lukewarm, you've kind of settled in. Uh, you're sort of buying into the lie. You're sort of buying into something that's not true, that, that maybe you've gotten apathetic. Maybe you've just gotten lazy. Maybe you've become afraid. Maybe you've settled into what everybody expects of you but for whatever reason, you're not hot or you're not cold, but you're lukewarm and God says, that's an abomination to me. That's not what I want for you. I want something better for you. So don't settle. Don't cave in. Don't give up. Don't just live your life in neutral. But make a decision that you want your life to count for for God. You want your life to count for Christ. You want to live your life with passion. You want to live your life red hot for Jesus, for his kingdom. And so we've been trying to talk about, and we're going to continue to talk about how do we do that. Uh, And then Wes followed that up, talking about finding your sweet spot. Uh, that, that when we discover our gifts and we realize the fact that the, that the spirit of Jesus Christ, the resurrection spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us, that he's gifted us, uh, that he's empowered us, then we find our sweet spot to serve him. And I want to follow that this morning, talking about how we know ourselves. What can we know about ourselves? What, what, what's the next step beyond recognizing I don't want to settle but I wanna live a passionate life for Christ. I wanna find my sweet spot so that I can live it out maximum in an extraordinary way for him. And part of that comes when we know ourselves. Now, I'm not not wearing this sling as a prop. Just saying, okay, I'm just telling you. Um, Almost, it'd be a month on Tuesday I had uh, shoulder replacement surgery. So what that means is they take everything out and they replace it, you know? So you've got titanium and, pla- I don't know, whatever. Uh, somebody knows more than that about that. I just know it really hurts. And um, that it's, uh, that to have them go in and cut out stuff and put new stuff in, and then they tell you, then you go to the rehab and they say, okay, now we're gonna move this in ways that really you should never move your, your, you know, your arm. And, and so all I know is that it really hurts. And, and it's this reminder for me uh, that God has created our, our bodies and he's knit everything together in such a way that if one part of the body hurts, the whole body's affected. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I bet you have, but it's so weird that I just, this is just my left shoulder, but at night my whole body stays awake to keep it company. <laughs> just saying. It's just my shoulder, but... I've, but, you know, my fingers get stiff and, and sore and and everything swells and, it you know, all of that stuff. And my whole body responds to the problem that I'm having in one place. And here's what Wes began this conversation with us last week, that Jesus said that you're the body of Christ. And he used that metaphor for a reason. And one of the things that he wanted us to understand is that when part of the body is not functioning, For whatever reason, it affects the whole body. So we're going to look at some verses this morning. I actually have a bunch of verses that we're going to look at that are going to help us understand this. And I I want to give us some context out of the first out of Romans, the twelfth chapter. I want to read verses one and two for us. Here's the apostle Paul saying, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. The Greek word there is a sibling word, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice." holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let me just point out one thing real quick. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. He doesn't say I appeal to you out of my wisdom. I don't appeal to, he's not saying I appeal to you because of who you are. He's saying I appeal to you by the mercies of God that we have received mercy from God, that all of this is built on God's mercy in our lives, God's love for us, God's sacrifice for us, that he sent his son. All of this is built around what God has done for us, not what we've done for him. So we really need, if we wanna know ourselves, we really need to understand that everything is built on God's action toward us not what we deserve or not what we've done for him so he says I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice so here's what he's saying I want you all in I want you to say, God, you have all, I am giving all of my life to you, and it's a sacrifice because I don't always want to do that. It's a sacrifice because sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels awkward. Sometimes it means I feel left out. Sometimes it means I, 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 I'm not invited. Sometimes it means hard things, but I want to appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your whole body, everything you are. Jesus put it this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Apostle Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. So he broadens the idea of worship for us. That when we sing songs on Sunday morning, it's a reminder that we belong to God. It's a reminder that he's the one who is holy. He's the one who is great. He's the one who gave his life for us. He's the one who calls us into a relationship with him. And worship reminds us, worship calls us back to that vertical relationship with God. It matters to him. And so he wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now he goes on in verse two and says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Now, there's a couple of ways to conform. There's, there's one is that we decide to fit. We decide to get along. We're conflict avoiders. We just, we just want everybody to like us. We, we just see the wave of culture or we see the opinions of people and we don't want to get into conflict. We don't want we, we to be unpopular. We don't want to be negative. Uh, We we don't want to appear critical, so we just get along, and all of a sudden we find ourselves without even realizing it that we've conformed to an image that we think everybody wants, but it's not the image that God has called us to. It's not the sacrifice uh, of ourselves that God has called us to. It's not the focus in our lives that God has called us to, so we've been conformed. He says, rather than being conformed, be transformed. So let me just give you the, these two words. This is how I look at it. In the, uh, in the languages, in the ancient languages, there there's some similarities to these words, but fundamentally what being conformed is sort of an outward thing, that I conform outwardly. I conform to what uh, the images that I think people want or people desire, and I fit into those. Transform is something that happens from the inside out. It's like the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. It's something that changes fundamentally who I am, and so the Apostle Paul is saying don't be conformed to what ex- expectations are. Don't be conformed to what the world tells you, but allow God to transform you from the inside out. Allow your life to be a life that's built on the spirit of God that lives in you. Think about this just for a second, that when we become followers of Jesus, He says that the resurrection spirit of Jesus lives in us, takes residence in our lives. that that's who comes in. God's spirit. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you lives in me. The goal is to transform every part of who we are, and one of the ways that Paul says he does that is by renewing our minds, changing how we think, changing what we believe, changing how we understand, changing how we look at the world, that he begins to renew, he begins to change, he begins to take out those old ideas, those old thoughts, those things that have kept us back, uh, those things that have kept us down, and he's saying, now I want you to look at life through my eyes, I want you to look at life the way I do, I want you to see people the way I see them, I want you to see me uh, in in light and in truth, and I want you to understand who I am, and so he says, I wanna renew your mind, I wanna change you think I want to transform you from the inside out change everything about you he says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect as you follow him he wants to see us renewed and that renewal of our minds is a lifelong process we think we begin to think like Jesus we think about what pleases him instead of simply pleasing ourselves We do the hard work of reading scripture, of being honest and thoughtful students, of coming in humility to the word of God because we want God to be able to change every part of us. And we trust him to do that work. And then Paul says this in the third verse, Romans 12, he says, for by grace, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. So here's how he follows up. He says, "You want to know how this renewal happens? This renewing of your mind, this transformation. It begins with this. Um, t- don't think more highly of yourself than you should. You know, we have this joke about uh, kids. Sometimes we we say that you know this generation was you know uh, born on third base, but think they hit a triple. And we are l- like that as Christians sometimes, right? That we forget." Um, we forget that we are lost in sin. We forget that, that we had no hope. Uh, we forget that we were bound by everything that happens around us, by every whim, by every fancy. We, we think all of that is true and Jesus came and he rescued us, he saved us, uh, he gave his life uh, for us. That, that's, the, that's the real truth. And he's saying, "I don't want you to think more highly because you didn't do any of this. I've done it for you. I've initiated. I've acted on your behalf. And so, what, what I want you to do is to take sober judgment of who you are. Here's here's the I, sober judgment. can be translated a couple of ways. It could be trans, uh, It could be translated sober uh, thinking, uh, thinking seriously, thinking with humility. Be honest." It could be translated also, think beyond yourself. You see, I mentioned in the beginning that we're really good at thinking about ourselves. And here Paul says, think beyond that. Think bigger than that. Think about what does God think of me? What does God want of me? How does God view this? Take sober judgment. Be reminded in humility that I didn't do this, but this has all been initiated and acted on by God. He has done all of this for me. He's done all of this for me. For us. So, what do we know about ourselves? We know that God, in His mercy, has begun a process of transforming our lives, that He has taken the old, He's replacing it with the new. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. God has done that for us. And so He says, Take sober judgment, reminds us of who we come from, that we're sinners saved by grace, that we've been given this gift from Christ, and we're here. here. We belong to him. Now, I want to jump now to a little bit, follow what Wes talked about last week. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it really follows this Romans 12 passage. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 13, the Apostle Paul teaches us this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. So he gives us this metaphor again that we're the the body of Christ. And he says, even though we're different members, we all make up one body. This is a huge thing for us, okay? It's a really important thing for us to understand. If you really want to know who you are, that you are part of the body of Christ, you're not just an individual set off on an island, but you are connected through the Spirit of God to each other, that we belong together. He uses our body uh, as the picture of that, that Christ is the head and, and we're his body. In Colossians 1.15, the scripture says that, that Jesus was the visible expression of the invisible God. Now Jesus is t- teaching us, Jesus wants us to understand that we become the visible expression of who he is in the world and that we function together as the head. Now what Paul is not saying is okay, I want you to I want you to get unified. I want you to get unified. I want you to become, get in community. I want you to do, because what he's saying is that you already are connected to each other. We're just not living like it. What Paul is really saying is that you're already connected to each other. Start living it. Start doing it. Recognize. Change how you're thinking because we are all connected together. We all belong together. He says we are one body. And you know what that also says is that if part of the body is not functioning well, if part of the body is in trouble, if part of the body is hurting, or part of the body just says, I'm not going there, I'm not doing it, then it affects the rest of the body. That if you're not functioning In the role that God has given you as part of the body of Christ, it's keeping the rest of the body awake at night. It's having an impact. We're not functioning the way God created us to function. We're not doing the things that God has called us to do. So here's what He wants us to understand. He wants us to understand that this, that that, that on a practical level, our bodies are are amazing things. They can't be duplicated. And the most amazing thing about them, about our bodies, is that they work so well together as a unit. Every part is important, and we don't even think about it. Every tissue has a job to do. Every organ relies on the rest to make things happen in just the right way. So even while we sit here this morning, (laughs) hopefully listening, uh, our bodies are working hard. I jotted down a couple of things for us Uh, During this hour that we're together, your heart will pump 4,320 times. Your lungs will breathe 968 times. Your stomach is still trying to find out what it is that you sent down it for breakfast or it's trying to register that last donut hole that you had. Uh, Your liver and your intestines are trying to sort out the good from the bad. You've had over 290,000 brain cells making pictures and thoughts and connections uh, in your mind. If for some strange reason you should fall asleep in church this morning, your body will reposition itself at least one and a half times during this hour that our body's constantly at work and it's all constantly going together, working together. And he's saying that's a picture of the body of Christ. That's what he wants us to understand, that we're all connected, that we all have a role, and nobody gets to opt out. You following me? Nobody nobody gets to just show up on Sunday and sing some songs and listen to a sermon and say, I've done my duty. If you do that, then you're keeping the body of Christ from functioning the way God intended because we're all connected. We're all part of his body. You are part of the body of Christ. And there's no little line in there that you can say, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't say I would do this because what it is when we decide to be a follower of Jesus, we become part of his body. And that's why Paul gives us this picture of the body of Christ, of the church. He says, if you want to find community, if you want a place where you fit in, if you want to know where you belong and and where you're not the odd person out, then come to church, come to the body of Christ, come to the family of God, because that's where it is. Now he continues on in verse 14. He says this: For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body," then that would make it that uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. Uh, If you were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that God has assigned each of us a role in the body of Christ, Uh, and we didn't pick the role. He's given it to us, and that becomes problematic for some of us sometimes, right? Because we would love something. We'd kind of say, okay, I'm going to buy into this, Larry, but I'd like one of the really prominent roles because I feel like like I'm a big toe, and I really wanted to be an eye I really wanted to be a mouth. I really wanted to tell people. I really wanted to be eloquent in my speech and, and be able to convince people of, of things. Or I I wanted to be an there. I wanted to be able to hear people and really listen to people and really understand it. But I feel like that all I am is a big toe. I don't have the kind of role. I don't have the kind of function. And what the Apostle Paul says is that the ear is no good without the rest of the body. The eyes are no good without the rest of the body. None of it works right unless all of us are functioning in that way that God has given us so so if you're here this morning and you feel like a big toe, I've got good news for you. That when walking or running, I, I googled this, I, do, I love doing this stuff. When walking or running, there's a period of time called the stance phase and this is the moment when all of our weight is applied to one leg. So you're walking, you're running, there's a moment when all of your weight is applied to one leg. You follow me okay on this? The stance phase, okay, you can write this, it's great for Trivia Pursuit. This is the moment all your weight is applied to one leg and about 80% of our foot control comes from our big toe. About 85% of our foot control comes from our big toe. So if the big toe is not functioning, then we're off balance that we don't have control of our foot. If we don't have control of our foot, then we're not gonna move uh, smoothly, we're not gonna move as well as we want, and, and consequently, everything is inhibited, everything changes for us, because we don't have the balance, we don't have the stamina, we don't have the strength, we don't have the speed, all of those things that we really need to function, Paul's saying it's all important. And, and so here's, here, here's, here's what Paul is saying, that if you're feeling like you're an unimportant part of the body of Christ, you know what Paul says? Shame on you he's not saying, okay, you can apply for a better part of the body. He's saying, no, shame on you, because God has made you so special, so unique, so important, that what's really important is that we learn what our function is, the body of Christ, and we do that because then God will use us in extraordinary ways, in ways that we can't imagine, in ways that we don't deserve but it's not about us, it's about how his body functions. That's one of the other big things that we have to, we, we have to change in how we think because we still think it's about us. I, I wanna be important, I wanna be visible, I wanna be one of the major parts of the body, I wanna be something people look at and go, man, we really, we couldn't live without the eye there, we really need Pastor Larry, he's so great about that, you know, or, or put your name in there. And Jesus is saying it's not about you, it's about my body and how it functions. And are you willing? to be part of that? Do you recognize who you are in Christ? Do you recognize what he's called you to? Are you willing to to live that way? Paul says that's who we are. Do you really wanna know who you are this morning? Start, Start there. Start with the fact that by the mercy of God, we've been called to be part of his body. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. Not because of anything that we deserve, but because of what Christ has done for us. And that in his grace, in his love for us, he's connected us to each other. And in that connection, we all play an important role for each other, that we matter to each other. So here's what Max O'Cato says. God never called you to be anyone other than you, but he does call on you to be the best you can be. The big question is, at your best, who are you? At your best, who are you? What is? Who's God called you? We, we know that he's called us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know he's called us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What is the role? What's the place that he's called us to? What's the gift that he's given us? What's the place in the body of Christ and how can we function in the very best that God's called us to? We're the body of Christ. You know, here's one of my conclusions. You guys all have kids, grandkids, you know kids. You've seen them on commercials. Uh, But we, we act like children who've been given an amazing train set for Christmas and we choose to play with the box. When we don't use the gifts that God has given us, when we don't operate in the role that he's given us in the body of Christ, we're like a child who's been given this amazing gift and we choose to play with the box that we're missing the amazing gift that we've been given, we're missing all of the fun, we're missing the joy, we're missing the fulfillment, all of those things because we're choosing to play in the box. We're the body of Christ and we belong together. You play no small part because there are no small parts. So if you're not using your gifts for the kingdom of God, then something is not happening that only you can do. (laughs) <laughs> Did you catch that? That you're part of the body of Christ and God has given you something to do that nobody else can do. So if you're not operating in your gifts, if you're not operating as part of the body of Christ, then something is not happening that only you can do because that's how God created you. He has knit us together by his spirit into one body. And it's somehow I wish that I could just convince all of us that we, that we matter. We know we matter to God, but we matter in the world be, not because of the role that we play, but because of the fact that we do it together, because he has knit us together. It really matters. If you really believe that Jesus gave you a costly gift, what would you do? If you really believed, if you really believed that Jesus that gave you a costly gift, that he gave you something that's critical to his mission in the world, if you really, really believe that, what would you do? I have have four things that I'd like you to consider this morning as we really think about how to get after who we are. As we really think to get after, what does it mean to be part of the body of Christ? The first one is think beyond. Have sober judgment. Recognize the fact that who we are is because of what Christ has done for us. It's by the mercies of God. It's out of his love that he is in the process of transforming us. And think beyond your circumstances. Think beyond the norm. Think beyond uh, kind of what you've settled into or the ideas that you've sort of bought into. Think beyond those things and think about the fact that the resurrected Jesus Christ lives in you. That's an explosion waiting to happen, you know. The second thing is to know yourself. Take sober judgment. Know yourself. Here's the here's the thing. If you're married, you really want to know yourself. Ask your spouse. There you go. You want some truth? Start there. Uh, ask some people that know you really well. Um, Wes mentioned the fact you can go online. You can take tests about your gifts. You can do all that stuff. But but it be, really begins with taking sober judgment, recognizing that it's through Christ that who I am is someone who belongs to Jesus. Who I am is someone who's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. I belong to him. My life is built on him. Think beyond, know yourself. The third thing, sorry about this, do the work. Do the work. Look at the scripture. Talk to people, but do the work to find out, God, what have you built me to do? What is it you're calling me to do? Because the, the way to an extraordinary life is, is by finding the, the, how God has gifted us, how he's built us, the role that we play in the body of Christ, and giving ourselves to that and letting him work through that so that his body is blessed, so that his work in the world can be accomplished. and so. But it requires us to do the work. It doesn't just happen because it feels good. It doesn't just happen because it's important, but it happens because we do the work to study. We do the work to discover. So do the work, and then the last thing is to be part of something bigger than you could ever dream of. That recognize that you're part of something bigger than you could have ever imagined. That God has called you to something that's so great. Ah, and sometimes, you know, we we just, we, we settle for good. We settle for okay when God's called us to great. But it's not me becoming great, it's me being, it's the body of Christ becoming great because we're all pulling together, because we're all connected and using our gifts together. So think beyond, know yourself, do the work, and be part of something bigger than you could ever imagine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, you have been gracious to us. And this morning, we want to acknowledge your mercy. We want to acknowledge your love for us. And Lord, we we want to confess the fact that that maybe we've settled, maybe we've conformed, maybe we've sort of bought in. Uh, Maybe it's because we've been disappointed or afraid or hurt. Whatever the reason, Lord, we acknowledge that this morning, and we ask, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would call us to something greater. Lord, give us the energy and the courage to do the work that's necessary to find our place in your body. Give us the humility to embrace whatever that is. And Lord, we want to thank you in advance for how you want to work in the world through your body, through all of us connected and working together for your glory and for your kingdom. And we ask these things in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Sometimes, uh, you know, music's pretty amazing, isn't it? And uh, sometimes the Lord speaks to us so profoundly um, in our music and I appreciate Aaron's prayerful and thoughtful about the songs that he picks so they fit. Uh, And this one really fits, doesn't it? Because that's what the Lord's calling us to. He's saying, here am I, get all, be all in. That's what really matters. Uh, You can discover your gifts. You can discover your strength. The big question is, are you all in? Do you belong to Jesus? Are you passionate? Are you red hot for Christ? That's what he's calling us to. That's my heart for, for myself and that's my heart for all of us. You know, I have this, I've shared with some of you that I've, my biggest fear in ministry from my whole adult life has been that I would get good at my job and I'd leave Jesus behind somewhere. But we gotta be all in. It's too big, it's too important. It matters too much. That's what God's calling us to. So we have prayer partners. If you'd like prayer this morning, stop over. Um, Prayer table in the back. Um, I love you guys. I'm so grateful to be here with you. I just wanted these guys to sing that one more time as we go, okay? God bless you.